hauling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, David Beck, president of Kentucky Venues and the National Farm Machinery Show, stops by to talk about the decision to move the dates of the 2021 show. Chris Edgington of the National Corn Growers Association joins us to talk about the issues that the organization will be focused on in the new year. Our buddy, the hot rod farmer, Ray Bohax, has another installment of Bushels and Scents, and we hear the music of Anne-Marie Paserno. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we wanted to welcome into the program David Beck, the president of Kentucky Venues, which operates the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. It was announced last week that the 2021 National Farm Machinery Show is being moved from February to March 31st to April 3rd, and we wanted to discuss how this show is going to look different than in years past. And David, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Hey, Brent. Good to see you, man. Hope you're staying well. Well, I tell you what, with so many of the nation's great farm shows going virtual or being canceled over the past few months, the National Farm Machinery Show was kind of one of those last pieces of the puzzle. And I know all eyes have been on you for some time. And now we know that the 2021 show and the National Ch- the uh, tra- Championship Tractor Pool, if I can spit it out, is going to be held March 31st to April 3rd. And I know this is something that you and your staff have put a lot of thought into, a lot of effort into, and probably agonized over quite a bit. What are some of the factors that went in the decision to stick with an in-person show and uh, to move it to this date? Sure. I'd be glad to give you some background. It's an important event and uh, uh, has a rich tradition uh, 50 plus years to be able to have both of these events. And uh, as you know, it's always held the second week in February and our team was planning this year as well before last year's even took place. So yeah. that's how far in advance the planning goes. So we had a plan in place, then COVID hit. And so as we've been dealing with all of our shows this year, either postponing, delaying, or reducing the size, making modifications, uh, we knew that was gonna be a challenge. And getting so many questions for so many around the country in agriculture, about when is this going to take place? Is it going to take place? And we made a decision to recommend to the administration uh, back the, the week of Thanksgiving that we would go ahead and cancel the dates for February and move forward with dates at the end of March. That way people had time to plan. I've said in this business, the only thing worse than those is a slow no. So people need to know the plan to make this work. So we have some target dates. We put together a good plan. We've submitted that plan for approval. Uh, we're staying in touch weekly to kind of go over any last-minute details. We were hopeful back in the earlier November during the North America, we would see the COVID numbers going down, and then uh, that just wasn't happening. It's gone the other direction. Well, we'll be in a much better position to know how, how we can proceed. So uh, that's the plan. Uh, I'll share a little background about this. Uh, we submit our plans for Frankfurt, and, and even prior to COVID, Every event we have, over 330 annually between our two facilities, downtown and at the Exposition Center, both. Uh, safety of our guests, our exhibitors, our colleagues, uh, all the employees is important to us. In fact, uh, a year ago before COVID hit, 
create a new position, a compliance officer, to help make sure we were compliance with every safety code, local ordinance, state ordinance, whatever it might be. Because guests come in from different states and sometimes there's different rules. So we had a position in place that we were working with that. So when COVID developed, we just added that to the job description. And our colleagues are staying in daily contact with the experts and we learn from every event how we can do it better. Uh, we're always going to be in compliance with the safety guidelines and some of our clients even request we go beyond that point. Uh, we received the, the accreditation, the GBAC accreditation, one of only two facilities in Kentucky, KEC and KIC, both of our properties were the two that are recognized. We have that accreditation, but now we have a living document, like a procedure manual. And every time we have an event, we can learn how to do it better. We're modifying that to make sure we stay in compliance. And we also use that to train and teach our people. So we take this very seriously. Uh, the event will be different. Uh, you know, we have almost 900 exhibitors. And uh, last year we did the voluntary registration. This year will be a mandatory registration. And uh, we'll be able to track registrations each day, how many are coming in so we can help plan any additional modifications that might be needed. Well, you mentioned that registration uh, last year being the first time you guys uh, had registration. It was uh, kind of voluntary last year, but but that looks like a genius move now. You guys have a year under your belt and uh, kind of know what you're doing going into this. Well, you know, that's something the exhibitors have asked for for some time and other major shows have that type of uh, documentation and, 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 and it gives you opportunity to stay in contact and communicate about events and changes. So that's important. Uh, we did it with a voluntary approach last year. The show is free to get in, and we want to continue to be that way. But having the restoration helps us stay in compliance. This year, it's really going to be a blessing. Uh, part of COVID, that way we can try it. a four-day event, how many people we anticipate coming each day so we can lock it down, make changes we need to along the process. Uh, we have not announced the uh, taking online restorations yet or tractor pull tickets. Uh, Tractor pull, championship tractor pull, and the farm machinery show are two separate events but are held together. So we can combine them or we can separate them depending on what we need to do. So we will be putting out an announcement later where people can go online and start dealing with the registration, but also start ticket purchases for the tractor pull. And we'll get notice out for that and, uh, and communicate how people can go online and start that process. You mentioned the North American International Livestock Exposition, which was held in November. And that, that was uh, between that and the state fair. Uh, you know, you guys have kind of moved where other states and other, other uh, authorities have, have uh, been a little bit hesitant. What did you learn from those events, which both were exhibitor only events uh, that you'll be able to apply to the National Farm Machinery Show? Well, the North American particularly brings people in from throughout the country. In every jurisdiction, every state has a little different requirement for its mask and things of that nature. But when you come into Louisville and you come into our facility, you're in Kentucky. So yeah. whatever event, whatever requirements we have may be different than what you had in Idaho or maybe in South Dakota. So it may be a different or Texas. So making sure we communicate ahead of time with all the participants and make sure we use a friendly but firm approach when they arrive. Uh, we did the, the pre-registrations for people, uh, the livestock is checked before they come on the property. And it doesn't matter what license plate you have on your truck, it's where the animals have been and where you have been. And so we had all that documentation going into it. And uh, so that was very helpful. We have all the uh, 
facilities plan for sanitation, uh, wipe downs, cleaning during the day, all the different uh, hand sanitizer booth displays, uh, people watching, making sure people are in compliance with the mask, looking at the width of the aisles and the seating arrangements, how we do the arenas. Uh, we had to drop food service for that particular thing because of, but we we're learning, we know how to do that. If we're allowed to do that, then we can incorporate various aspects. So it's a moving target, but uh, I, I stay in touch with the people that manage state fairs around the country, our peers. Uh, we have a regular conversations and learning from each other. And then our compliance staff, they work too. It's a daily educational process. So I mentioned a while ago, like the procedures manual, when we learn something, we can modify to make sure we're in compliance. From the time people come in through the gates to they walk into the facility, uh, even how they exit the facility. So uh, the, the major challenge was people coming from other states, as they will with the farm machinery show, say, well, back home, I don't have to do this. Well, yeah. we understand that, and we appreciate that, but you got to do that so we can be in compliance. If not, we have to ask them to leave, and we put the whole show at risk, uh, and we don't want to risk the show the benefits of all the people involved with that because a few people are, are wanting to do it a different way. So with all that said, if I'm showing up at the show this year, how, as we sit today, will this show look different from shows in the years past? It will be uh, a mask will be required. Uh, you'll see wider aisles. You'll see uh, a reduced attendance in some of the areas and spaces. Uh, for example, tractor pull. Uh, we had a basketball game in Freedom Hall on Wednesday night. Uh, you saw the checkerboard approach to the seating. We'd have the same approach. Basketball currently in Kentucky is limited to the 15% capacity. We're not sure what that capacity would be at tractor pull time. So it may be up, it may be down. We're hoping that it'll be up. So you'll see less vacant seats, but more in pod areas uh, is how people are setting up. We're prepared in both properties now to do virtual meetings, and that's becoming more common. As we see groups uh, go to more hybrid events, we have a capability of doing that. Uh, some exhibitors may want to incorporate some of that. We want to be in position technology-wise to work with them. So our team will be working with exhibitors to see how they modify their displays, what they're interested in doing. So we want to be able to adapt to that. Uh, our job is to serve the client, make sure they have the space and the technology and uh, all the utility support, technical support they need to accomplish that. So we're learning and modifying as we go forward. Uh, we built a new studio on one of our properties, so we utilized that this week. Uh, we hosted a meeting of meeting planners around the country doing virtual meetings, showing how we could do that, even having our participants in the program in different locations so they could see how you could make all this work effectively. Uh, some do it better than others, and we just want to make sure that we're in a position to meet the expectation of the client when we do that. So if the exhibitors are wanting to do something, we want to work with them. And we have submitted the plans. Uh, the plan has not been approved, but we're working with the administration to keep everybody posted. As we get closer to it, we'll be able to communicate so people know ahead of time what to expect and what modifications we'll have to adhere to, if any at all. And you talk about the exhibitors. What kind of feedback have you gotten from those exhibitors? Because there's so many of them from year to year in terms of their comfortability of attending a uh, an in-person show and just the logistics that are going to go into it. Well, you know, different exhibitors have different feelings and, and different yeah. internal guidelines that they put in the, on their own selves. 
uh, to protect our people. And uh, uh, we're seeing uh, a wide range of approaches to that. Our staff did a survey uh, with exhibitors what their preference and priorities would be. Some people want to be here no matter what, and some people want to be just like they were in the past for a space. Others may want to have less of an attendance, less of a presence. Um, you know, when if, it, if the numbers are, are risky, nobody wants to participate, and we don't want to even have the doors open in that case. But uh, if it's good for we can do it and have it, uh, I get there's a reluctance sometimes to bring your people, expose them, and take them back to headquarters and to their families and colleagues. Uh, you don't want to add to the problem. So we recognize that. Uh, we don't want to tell any exhibitor, uh, we're just going to make it available to them within our guidelines. And we would not make any guidelines available that we don't feel like that are safe at that particular time based on how COVID is being monitored at that time and what the guidelines are for compliance. And anything they want to do above and beyond that, they're welcome to. And anything we do to facilitate that, we'll sure try. So uh, we talked about some of the changes of the show. One of the things I believe that I, I read in some of the materials uh, for this is that uh, in terms of registration, there is going to be uh, an area where you have to select uh, which day you actually want to attend the show. Yes, people will be able to select their dates and that will help us monitor the numbers. We, we could be in a situation where we're limited to capacity in any particular area on any given day and monitoring that so people know they might want to sign up for the morning session but they but that number is at the max so they may want to flip it to the next day or to the afternoon session they may want to change the arrival time we're still working through some of those details as a part of how registration will be online for people to do that and uh, there'll be cancellations people that plan to come and won't come and we can monitor the number then we know how many more we can allow to participate into that but we should have a good target for each day in each portion of the day, what the numbers are looking like, to be able to monitor that. One thing might be, for example, the aisles. Uh, you may be going in one direction. Instead of going and back and forth, you may be going in and out one way. And that you know, we'll monitor how that works uh, to facilitate the need as we're going through the planning. It's like a puzzle piece with multiple parts. And we're, we're positioned to I don't want to say manipulate, but to move that around as we need to, to accommodate the needs of the exhibitors, but also, first and foremost, making sure we stay in compliance with all the health guidelines. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned earlier, one of the key components of this every year is the championship tractor pull. So many people look forward to that. And I know that you and I have talked about in the past about just what that show has meant to you year in and year out. How is that going to look different this year than it has in years past? Well, you know, I always enjoy the tractor pull. I, uh, I first attended this uh, National Farm Machinery Show when I was in middle school. And, uh, and then after that, going to tractor pull through high school and college and as an adult uh, every year. And uh, so uh, we all have our memories and, and the transitions of the uh, Freedom Hall to make all this work. Uh, we've got a great ventilation system and, and the air circulation, which uh, and you, if you can remember the days when it was really, it adds to the, 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 the movement of air and it gets cold. Uh, and, uh, but that's a blessing in this case uh, as it relates to cleanliness of the air. That circulating that in and out is, is a plus. Uh, I'll, I'll reference the basketball game, like I mentioned a while ago. If you see the arena set for the basketball game, it's like a checkerboard. These seats, this two here, four there, that type of thing. If that percentage is still in place, that's how the tractor pull would be. But as that number goes up for its availability of seating, you'll see less of a checkerboard approach to it. 
So we'll be able to monitor what the ticket sales are and what the current requirements are to monitor that. Uh, those season ticket holders that have been there before, uh, they have priority. That's understood, like it is in any type of a sporting event. Uh, they have the priority. They will be able to manage what excess we have to utilize. And the goal is to make that happen if we can. But if the numbers aren't good, then we will not have that. So the plans are moving. We work. We got a great group of people that work with the tractor pull. Uh, uh, they know it like the back of their hand. Uh, they know how to modify that and make that work. So I have a great deal of confidence. You know, there's nothing to be gained by taking a shortcut here. It's our reputation. Uh, this is a 50-plus year event for both of those activities. Uh, we don't want to sub our toe. Uh, uh, taking a shortcut and trying to bend the rules accomplishes nothing except destroys our credibility, and in the process might be detrimental to somebody. We're not going to risk that. Uh, we're going to do it the right way. Well, as we close out our time here today, David, if you could put into perspective what the National Farm Machinery Show means not only to you, but to the agriculture industry. It's a, uh, it's a tradition, but it's more than that. It's where you come, you see the latest and newest products, the latest technology in the industry. It's an opportunity to see friends, see partners, see people you deal with. Uh, it's something people do as families, something people do as friends. It's something they do from the business standpoint of being engaged. It's educational, it's entertaining, it's informative, and uh, but it's much more than just a tradition. It's part of people's business plans. And much of our technology in our society, much of the things that we all enjoy in our homes and other businesses, much of that started uh, from the creativity, the development, the unity coming from agriculture, that started in agriculture. Most people don't realize, besides feeding ourselves a good part of the world, the technology, the development, the research that has taken place in our industry that other parts of our society has benefited from. And so it's a unique experience. It's one that I've enjoyed growing up, being a part of it, doing it. Never thought I'd ever be involved with this, but uh, I see it from a totally different perspective than I originally did. So everyone's got their favorite part of it. Everyone's got what they look to for it. And I hope our diverse facilities and the benefit of all the exhibitors that uh, we can meet that expectation. Well, again, the National Farm Machinery Show is going to be held at the Kentucky Exposition Center in Louisville, Kentucky, March 31st through April the 3rd. And this is still the uh, planning stages of this is still very fluid. And make sure you stay on top of all the latest information at farmmachineryshow.org. Again, farmmachineryshow.org. And David, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. We look forward to catching you uh, up with you again here as we get a little bit closer to the show to provide the latest information. Brent, thank you. Thank you for your interest. Thanks for what you do and stay well, my friend. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer lime spreaders and litter spreaders, fertilizer tenders, seed tenders, and litter conveyors. They also sell a full line of Raven Industries Precision Ag products. To find out more about the full Chandler product line or to find a Chandler Equipment dealer near you, visit ChandlerEquipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, if you're a corn farmer, there are so many things to think about right now as we close out 2020 and focus in on 2021. 
And no one is watching how this ever-changing situation is unfolding closer than Iowa corn and soybean farmer Chris Edgington, who's the first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association, which represents nearly 40,000 dues-paying corn farmers nationwide and the interests of more than 300,000 growers who contribute through the corn checkoff programs in their state. And Chris, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, Brent. Glad to be with you this morning. Well, we appreciate your time. And I tell you what, we've got a lot of unpacking to do here as we round third and head for home here in 2020. And I'm sure uh, a lot of the headlines leave corn growers wondering what the true focus should be on. Uh, from from where you sit uh, as a producer, I mean, what are you looking at right now? There, there, there's so much chatter here in, in the market and so many variables. Uh, but how do you cut through that and, and uh, as a grower really focus on what's most important right now? Well, I, I'm not sure that the focus has changed, Brent. Mm-hmm. It's about demand. Um, it's about regulation. It's about getting to the next year. And so, you know, in agriculture and corn, we are always working on more demand, whether it's through ethanol, whether it's through trade, whether it's creating a new use. You know, we got 4,000 products out of corn today um, that are being made. We'd like to get to 5,000 products that could be made out of corn. It's an extremely versatile crop and it works uh, in a lot of different scenarios. But obviously you're looking at your big three. You're looking at ethanol, you're looking at livestock and you're looking at exports to move the bulk of the, the corn that we raise in this country. And I, I don't make sure that changes. It doesn't change with the administration, doesn't change with uh, the cropping year, year in, year out. Those are the ones we really go after. And some years there's a little focus um, in one area more specific than the other. But those are the big the big things, and it's about demand. And when you look at uh, that ethanol supply and demand, I know that's important to you because uh, you've been the NCGA liaison to the National Corn uh, Ethanol Research Center. Um, w- with your work there, what is the big focus going to be here in 2021? Well, it's, you're constantly looking for new uses, and, and they're, they're working on ways to uh, increase ethanol and ethanol blend. Um, you know, we introduced the Next Generation Fuels Act um, here this fall. Uh, Representative Bustos from Illinois um, did that. And it's a way to move the fuel system into the future. Um, we're going to move it in a higher octane, octane type of fuel that the uh, auto manufacturers will be able to build a higher compression engine, which will improve fuel efficiency for the average consumer from 5 to 7 or 8%, which will lower their cost of driving. And it will also clean the environment while it's at it because it's a cleaner, greener uh, product uh, that lowers greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, I know there has been so much talk on the trade front uh, o- over the past couple years here, especially in regards to China. Uh, as a producer, where do you look at that right now? And uh, how, how big of a, a concern is that coming into the new year? Trade's always concerned. We like long-term trade agreements. You know, you look at the, the, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, you look at some of the stuff we've got with Japan or South Korea, um, some of the other agreements that are out there, Colombia, Peru, they're, they're good for America, they're good for those countries. And that's not just agriculture. We like long-term agreements. China is a huge consumer, uh, but they're also a huge producer. Mm. And so they, they can play both sides of that equation. Um, they have chosen to basically almost not produce soybeans, figuring that the U.S. and South America can meet their soybean demand, but they do produce um, 
a lot of corn. They're, they're number two in the world in corn behind the U.S. They've got a lot of acres. They've got a lot of livestock, um, and they like to utilize it domestically. Now, we would like to get dried distiller's grains into China because that's another great feed product for that livestock. And um, that's been a slow process along with ethanol getting back into China. But they are buying corn and they are buying a lot of soybeans. So the European Union uh, provides us some opportunities. Um, and uh, because of their changing demographics over there, um, they have actually started to look at some ethanol and some US corn. And um, there's, there's no long-term agreements in place there. But uh, obviously, things are being discussed in the background on, on that as well. Any concern about having to take a step backwards, uh, not just with the change in administration, but, but also uh, three of those top four uh, leadership uh, positions in Congress changing? You know, the, the big mantra over the past couple of years has been trade, not aid. Any concern that both trade and aid are, are, are going to take a step backward here, at least in the short term? Well, I, I uh, think that we will work with the new administration. Um, there's, it's always a process, and there's yeah. nobody that's not been around. Um, yes, the House may change leadership. The Senate may change leadership uh, in the ag committees um, as people have been, been, are retiring or have uh, been voted out, and there's a tremendous amount of experience that's leaving. But the other people that are there have been around for a while as well. And that's not their first time at, at getting involved in agriculture. Um, and they understand the importance of providing a safe, uh, wholesome food product um, to not only the people in the U.S., but, but other people as well. So I, I think we'll have a good transition. Um, are there bumps in the road? Potentially. There's always bumps in the road. That's just part of, part of different groups getting together with different opinions, working on different objectives, and how do you work through that? So I think we'll have a nice uh, transition into the next administration um, and and some of the new leadership and it gives us an opportunity to educate more people about our issues and how we produce modern uh, food in these modern times well as you sit right now what gives you cause for optimism or excitement uh, as a corn grower well i think in agriculture you have to be optimistic um, there's things we can control we can control some of our inputs there's things we can't control. Mother Nature, no matter what we uh, what we what we say, she will do what she wants to do. Um, but we're optimistic. We put a little bitty seed in the ground, uh, regardless of the crop, uh, in the spring, and in the fall we go out to harvest something. And so you are trusting and optimistic that things are going to work out right. Um, and so it's just part of the nature that that we have to be optimistic. Um, the sun will come up tomorrow. There will be more opportunities. We will get through COVID and all of the disruptions it has caused, um, both in, in agriculture and, and other areas. Um, I feel fortunate that I'm in agriculture because I get to go to work on my farm, uh, in my office, um, uh, outside every day, whereas some people haven't been back to the office in months. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I don't think gets talked about enough, technology in the business. How do you see technology driving and moving corn production? I see technology continuing to help uh, agriculture. The, the value that we get out of technology um, is lower inputs um, with increased yield. Uh, an example of that, early in the 80s, um, we were getting less than 100 bushels to the acre on corn and we were putting in about three pounds plus of nutrients to get that. 
Okay, today we get 170, 180 bushel corn, and we're using less than a pound and a half of nutrients to do that. Technologies help drive that right place, right amount, right time. And it, it uh, whether it's variable rate planting, variable rate uh, chemicals, variable rate fertilizer, whether it's the, the auto steers of the world, the technology ha has allowed us to be more precise. Um, it's allowed us to use less fuel less tillage as we move into a uh, um, new generation of, of agriculture production. Well, if folks want to get more involved with the NCGA or want to keep up with the latest news and legislative priorities, where can they go to do that? Oh, absolutely. NCGA.com. Um, they can become a member. If they're not a member, we got 40,000 members, but we take members of all types. You don't even have to be in agriculture. You want to be a member of NCGA. Um, you would get our information. We have associate memberships. I tell you what, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And we hope to have you back here in the future uh, to get kind of a status report from you. Thank you, Brent. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, it's time for another installment of Bushels and Cents with our buddy, the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax. Don't forget to check out all his great multimedia content at FarmMachineryDigest.com. Welcome to Bushels and Cents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. You are not one to be overly concerned with the appearance of your equipment, though you take good mechanical care of it. This is the year that you have planned to replace your 10-year-old combine with a new one. The paint is all faded and the decals cracked since it has never seen any wax. The dealer offers you $15,000 less than normal trade-in value due to the poor paint. You try to sell the combine privately, and though offered more than on trade, the machine is still around $15,000 less than what it should bring because of its appearance. A lack of attention to appearance has cost you the equivalent of 4,286 bushels of corn. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Please visit FarmMachineryDigest.com, where steel and soil meet. Ray has a new program, Farm Machinery Digest Radio, coming to Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 147 Rural Radio beginning January 2nd at 11 a.m. Eastern. So we hope you go give that a listen when you're not listening to Fast Line Fast Track. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we move on over to the musical side of the house where our guest this week is a little bit country, a little bit Americana, and a whole lot of soul. She's one of the most creative and talented independent artists out there doing it today. Anne-Marie Paserno, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you so much, Brent. Thanks for having me on Fast Track. How have you been? Oh, awesome. Busy, busy, busy. You know, I would say that the whole covid thing and getting a lot of live gigs canceled it's just like opened up a lot of new doors for video and radio interviews because everybody's working so hard still to entertain and get their music out there so yeah. it, it's actually been very busy plus i've got a new single release coming out or it's out and the holidays so i've, I've been keeping definitely very busy and we're going to talk about that a bit later on because you're going to be part of a Christmas special that we're working on that's going to drop on Tuesday, uh, December 22nd at 7 p.m. And I hope everybody will check that out. And I'm super excited about that. It sounds awesome. And uh, well, where will that be so people know? 
Um, yeah, so that's going to be that's going to be on the Fast Line and Fast Line Fast Track Facebook pages, and also the Fast Track YouTube channel. Everybody will be able to go and, and check that out. We've got uh, right, right now the number keeps growing. I'm somewhere between ten and and twelve artists. It might be up to fifteen artists by the time uh, that thing actually rolls on the twenty second here, because uh, more people keep finding out about it and wanting to be a part of it. And I'm taking all comers here. It's it's fun. I mean, I think people forget throughout the year all those great you know, warm, fuzzy feelings that we all feel during the holidays and we get excited, but That's it, definitely it really is about every day of the year. That's why I wrote Mr. Santa, because we really should be kind every day of the year and, and we should be grateful and happy. And I know it's tough and we all got challenges, but, um, but I love the holidays. I, I really do. And I'm excited to be on your show. So thanks for having me. Well, before we get going this week, let's hear one from Anne-Marie Paserno. This is an ode to thankfulness. This is simply called Thank You on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you for the breath I have today. Thank you for the will I have to pray. Thank you for the food I had to eat Thank you for the place I had to sleep I've got an 11-year-old car that gets me to a job I've got some bills to pay I may not have a lot of things, but I'm still grateful I pray I'll find my way And I pray We'll join together Thanks is always better Thank you Thank you For the strength I have today Thank you For the voice I have to pray Thank you, I'm alive and I am safe Thank you for the love that still awaits I've survived dark storms, I've felt the joy And seen the light of day When it's cold outside, I have found love's warmth I still can stand and say And I pray
I was curious with all the artists that we talked to, how are you holding up through this bizarre period in our history? And <laughs> how, how are you continuing to move your career forward through all that? Well, yeah, definitely. And what you do is very important. Television, radio is becoming a little more prevalent or um, what's the word? Uh, popular, you know, a lot of artists now are taking to live stream. They're taking to live video and video concerts and virtual concerts and virtual tip jars. And, you know, television, in my opinion, has always been very important to getting out to millions, in my opinion. Sure, if, if you can do a, a live concert in a theater, there's that engagement and that interaction. But with this kind of new normal and, and what we've gone through with the shutdown and, and experiencing live gigs canceled and limitations on how many people can be at a venue, wow. I think, you know, television and video is very important. And I think it's going to help a lot of businesses, if we all learn how to use it, because setting up a camera and the whole network, that, that might take a little bit of work, but I think it's definitely the future. So I've been jumping in on a lot of these things and jumping out of pajamas, <laughs> you know, work from home. And if you're not getting out or you're not going out as much to see people and friends and things like that, yeah. um, I'm in a constant state of pajamas, basically. So yeah, that's the beauty of it all. Yeah, so <laughs> I just have a pajama concert. You know, yeah. that would be a new concept. Yeah, I'm all for that too. We'll have to get to work on that. So yeah. take us back. Tell me about uh, when music first entered your life, and who some of your musical influences have been over the years. Oh, you know, it's a volume. So I'll try and keep it brief. I, I was always creative as a kid. Ironically, I was a very shy, quiet child, but teachers definitely encouraged that all the way from elementary, played multiple instruments, piano, guitar, violin, saxophone, harmonica, flutophone. And I was always some dreamy little kid, you know, writing stories and poems and making music. So with that said, getting into college, I delved into musical theater and all of a sudden explored a world of comedy and dance and acting and all just sorts of just volumes of information that I did lots of dinner theater and then migrated my first professional job at Disney World doing comedy. And um, as the years have progressed, I've done bands, cruise ships, dinner theaters, and I always try and take every little piece of what I've learned so if it was acting and then it was singing and dancing and improv, I kind of, you know, as I came to Nashville and packed up my car, and I want to say that was 2012, didn't know a soul, and came out here because I wanted to feel more creative. I had been doing a lot of top 40 bands and all that in Florida and was starting to feel like I need to get creative again. I want to write. I want to do my own music. So that's how I came out to Nashville. And um, now I'm really challenging myself, not only with the video, but to put out more content and really utilize 
everything I've learned through my whole history of performing. So, you know how you see a lot of music videos and artists are just, they're standing there in a cornfield and there's a little fire explosion in the background and it's the full band. And I always wonder how did they get their mics and electricity hooked up out in the cornfield? <laughs> <You know? laughs> how did they do that? And in my opinion, it's not always very original. Yeah. Um, you know, I want, the next couple new releases that will be coming out after the first of the year, I really want to explore with uh, really great stories, acting characters. You know, even when you just stand and sing on a stage, mm -hmm. it's, I think a lot of singers lose emotion or the real interpretation of the song. I hate to say that because a lot of people don't have control of their bodies or they're walking around in circles and, you know, and I really learned a lot back in my college days of stand plant and how to just even the littlest expression can convey an emotion or a hidden meaning and put the acting in my music. And I've always done that in the studio too with my voice as far as what I'm singing about. So I'm challenging myself this year with the video, the lives and starting to put everything together in the total package. Um, Cause Lady Gaga, you know, she ain't going to be around forever. So I'll just be that singing granny that everybody goes, wow, <laughs> look at that granny go. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, and I'm trying to be more fun. I'm trying to enjoy it because face it, the lockdown's been stressful. Yeah. I think a lot of people gave up and I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to give up. So I've got a lot of music coming after the first of the year and a lot of exciting ideas. You've had a chance to work since you've been in Nashville with some really talented folks like Bob McGilpin and, and Gene DiPiero. Tell me about those working relationships and what it's like getting to work with others who really get it. Well, first of all, Gene DiPiero of Hamilton Radio has always been an awesome friend and supporter of independent artists. So Hamilton Radio, New Jersey, look him up. He definitely supports independent artists. Became a friend. He gave me inspiration for my song Bonfire, which was on the 61st Grammy first ballot and also won a Josie Music Award. So I was very honored that he would allow me to use his words in writing a song. And I think it was a great song that also had a lot of other independent artists on it. And um, you asked me about how can I forget Bob McGilpin one of the best producers around best best secret in Nashville um, great guy you know he had three billboard hits several years ago and uh, he he really is a gem and helps so many independent artists and he and I have a great working relationship we talk about how we're going to make the sounds. Of course, I'm real picky and I always challenge him. And I think he likes that. It might annoy him sometimes, but I'll be like, come on, Bob, I want a little Santana here on this solo. And then I want a little Brad Paisley here. <laughs> You're holding back. Give me this, you know, and, uh, but we have fun working together and he, he takes my songs that I put my on my little bad demos and he makes them into beautiful music. And uh, the, one of our most recent releases that was on this past year's Grammy first ballot was Money Pain. 
And that is the one song out of all the songs I've been putting out in Nashville that I actually didn't write. Bob McGilpin and Larry Morton wrote those songs. And he called me up and said, hey, I got this great blues tune. Would you like to sing on it? And I'm like, yeah. So, um, and it turned out to be a really great song and did really well on charts. And, you know, just a fabulous duet, in my opinion. One of my, my, one of my favorites so far that I've put out. Well, let's hear this one from Anne-Marie Paserno with some help from Bob McGilpin. This is Money Pain on Fast Line, Fast Track.
So aside from making more money, what else is on your musical bucket list? What haven't you gotten to do yet that you really want to do here in your career? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, currently have a Christmas song, Mr. Santa, out that's being heavily pitched to FM radio. And that's kind of new for me because I'm an independent artist. I do, you know, do promotions and releases also with Bongo Boy Records, an independent label. Um, but I'm kind of pushing towards the FM. So as far as what I want to do, I want to do a little bit more of that. And things are going well on the release of that single. Um, and so that's going to open up a whole kind of new level of entertainment and connections. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, I definitely want to do more music videos. And then my bucket list is um, I'm almost finished with an album. Everybody says, when is this album coming out? Well, really, I've just been making it up as I'm going along <laughs> about my uh, songs from Nashville. Because I always said, this is coming to songs from Nashville. And everybody's like, well, when's this album? It's been like five years. Well, I've been releasing singles, you know, two yeah. or three singles every year. But those songs that I have been writing and putting out to radio since moving to Nashville are all about my journey as an artist. So the bucket list is once the album is completed, and I think it almost is, there's two that no one's heard yet that will be going out to radio later this year. Um, then I'm going to be writing a show. And the show is going to be the story behind the songs as me as an artist, songwriter, entertainer, and the ups and downs in Nashville. And, you know, there's a lot I don't post about on Facebook, but maybe the show will have a little more, I mean, the names will have to be changed. That's all I got to say, because, you know, I met when, when my first contact in Nashville, everything from alcoholics to addicts to out-of-work musicians to unethical people to great people to, you know, rejection to, you know, just the whole journey of trying to get your music heard. And, you know, you meet great people and you meet bad people. And my heart was broken and a lot of songs were written about that. And then there were some great things that happened and great people. And so the whole story I'm going to put into a production for a live, basically theater show. Cool. But once again, I want to incorporate, you know, actors singing, dancing props. And of course, uh, I see, you know, I would love a lot of visual content and, um, you know, the whole story will be told and it will be my original music. Oh, nice. So that's Sounds the like, bucket list. Sounds like it's out. got music, music Valley written all over it. Yeah, I would hope to maybe debut something like that at the texas troubadour theater well before we check out of here for this week let's hear one more from Anne marie paserno this is rain on fast line fast track
And on that note, we will keep uh, keep supporting everything you're doing. If folks want to support you, where can they go to follow your career on uh, on the internet and social media? So if you just go to altogetherandmariepaserno.com, right there at the top of the website, you will see links that you can click on to all my social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and all the music stores where you can buy my music, but you can also directly Check out my music on annemariepaserno.com. And, um, well, basically, you can also stream it free on my website. You can buy it on my website and also see all the videos on my website. So uh, just check it out, and you can connect with me on all those places. 
Well, Anne-Marie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today on Fast Line Fast Track. I really hope you'll come back here and share that new music with us and, and some of these new videos that you're cooking up here. And we'd love to have you back. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you for listening today. We also want to send a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. I hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you'll go and check them out. They've got a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. They're open Wednesday and Thursday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Fridays and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. They're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. So when they're open, stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Facebook. Fast Line, Fast Track. I also want to say a special shout out to our friends at Farm Life and thank them for their support of Fast Line, Fast Track. Please go over and give them a like on their Facebook page so you can connect with others interested in agriculture. And join me over on their page every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern as I join my buddy Brandon Deal to talk about the things that are on farmers' minds. And speaking of things on farmers' minds, the tax man is coming. Do you have equipment to buy? Now's the time to get in those Section 179 purchases before the end of the year. So head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. Again, that's FastLine.com. And while you're on the website, please be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. No need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The FastLine catalog is still being delivered directly to your mailbox, and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And don't forget to subscribe to the Fast Line Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer, Audible, and Radio.com. And be sure to hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, I tell you what, it's time for us to get on out of here. So until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer focused marketing solutions visit fastlinemediagroup.com and check out our brand websites fastline.com bigag.com and pinktractor.com if you have topic suggestions for future podcasts drop us a line at brent.adams at fastline.com <laughs>